This show is pre-recorded and furnished by Frasier Productions. Hello, this is The Deciders with Renee Frazier. Welcome to the show. I'm Renee Frazier, the founder and CEO of Frazier Communications, the leading woman-owned advertising and communications firm in Southern California. At Frazier, we specialize in changing behaviors, which means growing brands, helping them reach their customers, and positively impacting society in both the private and the public sector. Most recently, we've been doing countywide Los Angeles messaging around COVID-19, all the social media, the press events, and working with influencers to help encourage people to wear face coverings, social distance six feet, and of course be washing their hands regularly as we deal with COVID-19. On the show, The Deciders, we ask people to share their stories and talk about their role as change agents looking at the implications their work has for our businesses and what we can learn in terms of tips and stories. We know in this environment, it can be very tough to raise capital for a business. And the data shows that women do not get the capital that men do. In fact, from investors, it's uh, roughly 2% of the dollars if you're a woman. And unfortunately, that's under 1% if you're a woman of color. But what if I told you there may be a new source of funding for you as an entrepreneur or business owner, if you've got your business up and running, and it's coming from our guest today, Heather Stone. She's an entrepreneur, a pioneer in the business world, and host of a new podcast called Mentors and Moguls. She's experienced in asset management, technology, and finance. Her company, Capstone Holdings, has just launched a $50 million private capital venture fund focused on minority and women-operated businesses engaged in sustainability-related products. It's called Game Above Capital. We'll learn more about that. Welcome to the Deciders, Heather Stone. Welcome, Heather. Thank you, Renee. Happy to be here. Well, let's talk with the, uh, start with the new podcast. What made you start Mentors and Moguls? Tell me about the, the origin of that, why you decided to do it. Absolutely. Well, I started Mentors and Moguls podcast really to fill a void that I felt while I was working my way up the ladder throughout my own career. I had some great mentors along the way, certainly, but I really wanted a mentor that understood what it was like to be a woman in a male-dominated industry. So, hence the birth of Mentors and Moguls. Um, The podcast was created to offer great actionable advice from proven women and even some men So anyone could tune in and get some advice, maybe three in the morning and they were curious about a certain subject and they really needed a big sister or a mentor. It's there for them free of charge. So that's why I created it, hopefully to help. I like that. I like that. Similar in my radio show, trying to give people guidance and then we post them as podcasts. But, uh, you know, I think people need to hear others and obviously the popularity of podcasts is through the roof. And with these uh, stay-at-home orders, a lot of people are are listening even more, which is a good thing. Tell us some of the people you've interviewed on the show. Absolutely. Well, we've got a pretty diverse crowd, um, some wonderful guests. For instance, uh, Dara Torres. Uh, she is a, a unique animal. She's a five-time Olympic swimmer. She started her career at age 14, where she broke a world record, and she finished her last and fifth Olympics when she was 41. So she's wow. um, very unusual and very inspiring, right? Yeah, very, very. That's really remarkable. I- 
kudos to her. And I, I wonder, when you've been doing these interviews uh, with uh, mentors and moguls, I love the name, uh, what have you learned from them? Anything in particular you've taken away or themes you've seen in these interviews? Yes. Um, I think the importance, it was just reiterated, the importance of surrounding yourself with intelligence in every arena. That old saying goes, uh, if you want to know where you'll be in a year, take a look at the five people you surround yourself with. And every single person not only possesses incredible tenacity and laser focus, but really surrounding themselves with important and very well-read and um, good people that are good at things that you're not necessarily strong at. You know, isn't that the case, Heather? You know, I think uh, when you start your own business, you want to be confident in your skill set. And there's a tendency to do it all yourself, but you're really only as smart as the, as the people around you, right? You need to, uh, if you're not good at finance, you need a good finance person. If you, you know, if you're, you're, you're the outside salesperson, you really need an operations person on the inside. Uh, you have to know your strengths and your weaknesses, and sometimes you hire due to your own personal weaknesses. Have you found that? Uh, absolutely, absolutely. And um, again, as many smart people you can surround yourself with through every step of the way throughout the beginning, the launching of a business, all the way to the very end of the business, I say go for it. You can never, you can never have enough smart people around you. That's right. I think it means, you know, uh, you I'm sure know a lot about Brene Brown and her speeches. She talks mm-hmm. so much about vulnerability. And, and uh, I've always found it interesting. I've followed her for a few years, got a chance to interview her on the radio, as a matter of fact. And uh, I love what she talks about. But I have to say that when I was coming up in my career in the early um, 2000s, and prior to that, when I ran uh, Bozell and Jacobs, a big ad agency, acting vulnerable was a sign of weakness. It was not a way for a woman to be strong. There weren't very many women as you know, and it's still unfortunately the case. So when you act humble and you you admit you don't know things, in some cases that can be seen as a sign of weakness. But that's really not the case. Would you agree? I do agree with that. I think more and more women are becoming more comfortable in their own skin, no matter what the level. And being vulnerable is just like being silent. It doesn't mean you don't know everything. It doesn't mean you're going to turn around and retreat. I think it is actually a sign of confidence in a way saying, I don't know, I need to ask for help. And the smartest people in the room know how to ask for help and then listen. That's a really good point. They are the smartest people in the room and then they listen. I think you're right. You know, my business, the advertising and marketing business, has changed so much. I've had the company 20 years, and obviously digital and social media are now uh, preeminent and very important. We go after a lot of campaigns that are just digital and social. And although I'm not not certainly a maven, I, I have read enough and watched enough and listened to our people to understand it, but I'm the first person to explain to a client or in a meeting, here's my understanding, but let me bring in the experts who really can show you how it's done. And, uh, I learn from them every day. And I think, as you said, I think you gain a lot of credibility when you acknowledge you don't know things. And then as a leader, when you start a company, being able to have people who are really good at their jobs says a lot about you as as an owner, right, and as a leader. Uh, So these are the things, I guess, people, we need to know as we start our companies. It's hard, particularly as a woman. I I must ask, do you feel that you've seen kind of, um, I don't know when, I don't want to say terribly misogynistic, but... How have you felt pressure as a woman as you've started your business? That's a really good question. Um, 
I don't know if it's necessarily pressure, but you can certainly feel when you walk into a room, let's say a boardroom that's filled with men, whether it's a financial institution you're seeking to get funds from or a boardroom where you're you're asked to put your ideas on the table, you certainly feel maybe an unspoken um uneasy feeling sometimes like you might not be as understood or you might not be playing the same ball game everyone else is and through no fault of their own it's just kind of one of those um, predispositions that you assume which is probably not good but sometimes it's accurate sometimes it's not I felt that throughout my career I, I agree with you, Heather. I'm, I'm small and blonde, and I believe you're, you're, based on your picture, you're small as well. I think when you're diminutive in size, uh, there's also this sense of they put you in the role of a daughter or sister. There's a perspective that uh, you're not taking this seriously. And you're right, it's, it's, it's unspoken. They don't ever say anything like that, but the eyes divert or there's a smile. I know in my case, when I go into a presentation in a boardroom, and I have, you know, other members of my team, some of whom are men and big. There's an assumption that they're the lead, <laughs> that it's not my company. <laughs> and, yeah. uh, you know, just I just power through it, right? You don't say anything. You just present and do your best job, right? Yes, I've come across that situation many times. I've even walked into a meeting, a big meeting that I've done a lot of work on and got my research down, and I certainly knew my stuff. And uh, I had a new trainee that happened to be five years my senior and they constantly diverted to him, and he didn't know anything. He was just there to shadow. And I, you know, <laughs> you just have to bite your lip and just, you know, be polite and keep going. And eventually, they figure it out. But the assumption is that the that the male in the room is the one who's got all the answers, and you're there just for taking notes, maybe. Yeah, yeah, that's right, Heather. But you know, it's good for us to share this because I think young women starting their companies, uh, they. They're sometimes very bold and strong, which they should be. You don't want them to get hit by that, and it's like, oh, my gosh, that makes me angry. You have to you know, take me more seriously. Um, you want them to, uh, as we just said, you just move past it and, uh, and not provoke further. I, I've had the opportunity to sit through a, a number of pitches. I sit on a, um, uh, a guidance board or a, uh, a board of directors, uh, advisors, I should say, of the Gripe School at the um, Marshall School. So at USC, it's a business school, and they have a center for entrepreneurship. And I've been fortunate enough to sit through a number of uh, pitches lately run by women, and it's been really interesting to see their countenance. There's a, a confidence. They know their numbers. There's a uh, they don't blink at all, and I'm very proud to see that. It makes me feel good. Uh, do you run up against entrepreneurs? I mean, we'll talk in a moment about your fun, but have you seen that, too, with younger people? There's a sense of strength and capacity that they speak from and they come from? I do. I think I see it. It's either they've got incredible confidence, uh, they're pulling it off well, and they're completely pre prepared, and then there's another side where you can tell they just haven't done their homework. And as we all know, that uh, the best way, and I think it's the old school formula, is do your homework and over-prepare. That way you're never caught back on your heels. And I love to do that. And I'm, I'm seeing more and more of that with women, and I love it. Yeah, I am too. They are over-prepared. They're very confident. They know their work. I think um, there's a discipline that I see now in uh, women, and I'm, I'm just delighted to see it. Um, as much as you know, the odds are against them based on the statistics, over-preparing and doing your best job possible is very important. You can't assume anything. 
you know, in your personal experience, being an athlete contributes well also. There's a sub level of discipline, a level of ability to put your nose to the grindstone and focus. Uh, could, is there any advice that you see coming from being an athlete to, that applies to business people as they strengthen their businesses and grow them to success? I do. I think it's a, a great correlation. A lot of women that actually I've interviewed that you'll see coming up in the next month or two, uh, there's some phenomenal athletes. And myself included, laser focus has been my best friend. And when you lock in on whatever that feat is that you're trying to accomplish, whether it's something in the physical arena with athletics or, for, in my instance, uh, climbing mountains, which I've done and taken women on, if you just laser focus in and lock in and you are consistent and disciplined and don't quit, you will get there. That's a good, good advice. That's good advice. I think, you know, you have to practice being able to focus like that. that. You're right. That's absolutely an important strength. And you have to have a clear vision, like in your case, the top of the mountain or hitting certain markations along the way, right? Uh, and then, uh, like you're saying, you get there. And it's uh, the other thing is it's one step at a time, right? If you keep thinking, well, it's, you know, it's uh, three miles ahead. <laughs> it's like, oh, my God, that seems so much. But you break it down, right, and you get it done. That's right, and um, yeah. that's a lot. That's how I train some of myself, and I train a lot of the ladies on these uh, physical challenges that we do that are way out of their comfort zone. Is I say, don't ever look to, to the top of the mountain. One step at a time, you will get there. And sometimes all you can do is one step. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But that's great. You know, that's what you have to you have to take and give yourself the confidence to do that. Well, let's turn to uh, game above capital. You and Keith started this recently. I read the press release about it. Uh, it's a $50 million private venture fund. Uh, tell us some of the details about the fund, what you're looking to find, and what you would like to fund. Right. Well, um, like like you said, we just launched it. It's um, We're very excited about it. We've been working on it for quite some time. So on May 20th, we just launched this. And we're looking for companies um, that, that center around some sort of sustainability and uplifting humanity. Some of the things that um, I'm very keen on, of course, are uh, women-led businesses and minority-led businesses, and that's uh, who we're we're hoping to fund. But we are looking at companies, for instance, that can develop something, for instance, that's a plastic alternative. Maybe it's something made out of bamboo, or maybe it's the same um, end result, but it's made out of a hemp fabric, something that's biodegradable that will help the earth and not really bog us down and clog our waterways. Things like that are very interesting to us. So uh, a plastic replacement, that would be a good idea. And uh, what I see a lot now are tech plays. Uh, They have uh, platforms, you know, for connecting people, for jobs, people for being interviewed. Um, uh, Would the technology fit in this framework or would it have to have a uh, a sustainability, uplift humanity, uh, you know, goal to it? Well, the four pillars that we have are human, social, economic, and environmental. So tech is a huge play. As you know, we, I come from a, a tech background with finance. So tech is huge, but tech can be used in all kinds of areas. And some of the companies uh, that we are seeing now that are coming to us are brilliant and things that are completely outside of the box. So it's fun to put those both together and uh, see what we come up with. For instance, autonomous vehicles. That's exciting. Yeah, like autonomous vehicles, exactly, which are are right around the bend for us. And I like the idea that you're focusing on women of color, 
uh, women. I think that's wonderful, minority-owned businesses and women. I, I must ask, do you have uh, connections? I know you've both been big supporters of EMU. Are there connections? You're based in Florida. Do any of the universities or business schools that might send you people? Yes, so we've had some terrific um, pitches from some of the graduates at EMU, and the most fun is like Christmas morning when you see some of these pitches and you see how much work and the intricacies that they put into it and the problem that it solves, it gets us so excited. So, yes, EMU has been terrific, and hopefully some other universities will come on board. Again, it's a new fund, so we're just starting to scratch the surface with all the companies that are coming in right now. Let me ask, uh, how do you like people to apply? Should they go to a website and uh, to connect with you folks? Is there a process on the website they can submit uh, certain information and be considered? Absolutely. So gameabovecapital.com, there is a submission form, and there are all the guidelines are laid out there, and they can submit there. They can also go to my website, which is heatherrstone.com, and there's a Game Above Capital link uh, so they could submit there as well. Great, great. Well, as I, uh, I have uh, one young woman I'm mentoring who has a technology-based company, and uh, we got her into UPS, which I'm excited to see. She and her partner are both people of color, and she leads the company, and uh, they have applied it to UPS on the East Coast. Now they're doing it in the Western region, and it's a, uh, it's a platform that gauges personality of what young people want on the job, and it provides the managers feedback so they know what should be emphasized for what employees so it's a retention tool and it's a communications tool uh, for the employers so they can stay in touch with the employees even though they may be working remotely or in the case of UPS for instance driving trucks or moving packages uh, and I was so excited to see it it came out of USC so uh, we'll see how far they get because there's a you're looking for fairly substantial businesses right there's a funding expectation or an amount that you're give, uh, you'd like to see them at in terms of their run rate of the um, the income that they're making yeah. sales yes and 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 that's all laid out on the website we'd like to see that they've it's not a brand new launch of a company they've and they've got at least about 70 to 80 percent of their own funds uh, in the company already, and they've been at it for a few years. So that's all very clearly laid out uh, in the website. But that sounds like a phenomenal idea that you just uh, mentioned. Yeah, I'm very proud of them. I think I think it's uh, it's uh, they've been successful with uh, Ericsson and a couple of other companies uh, in terms of getting it in. And they haven't taken any funds in. I just uh, on the side advise them and have opened a few doors. They are, uh, and they're 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 making a profit and actually paying themselves, which is a good thing. So they're getting a, a track record. It's called Unboxed, U N B O X T. So I'll, I'll have them check out your website. Uh, you know, when you Great. when you think about these companies, uh, you said you've been excited. What you've seen, some of the graduate students out of EMU. Are you seeing mm-hmm. any patterns in the companies? I mean, I think sustainability and social innovation; those are definitely themes I've seen in previous years. Um, what what else are you seeing? Are you seeing more technology? What kinds of attributes do you see of these organizations? You mentioned out of the box. Oh gosh, um, I think the the most exciting ones that are are a little bit different. Of course, we have straight manufacturing of products. You know, some disruptors. Um, But when they combine the technology, like I mentioned, autonomous vehicles, when you combine technology with something that doesn't typically have that level of technology associated with that product, 
the sky's the limit. And that is what's really exciting. Those are the big disruptors. And those are the things that are going to um, perhaps, just like electric cars, reducing the emissions in the air, things like that. Those things are so exciting. There's also design thinking that you can use with technology applications that uh, no one's really thought of before that somehow couple in with some other uh, big companies and and really change the way we think and do things and ultimately save everyone time, money, and and help out the environment. So it's across the board to be honest with you. You know what? When you think about five years out, how do you think the fund will look if it's a success? Will there be 25 companies in there? Will there be 150? Have you you got a thought of how you see it being a success in four or five years from now? Absolutely. You know, we initially started, we wanted to open up a $100 million fund, but we didn't want to overpromise and underdeliver at first, so we, we broke it down to $50 million to start with the intent to crease this over the next five years to $100 million. And um, we're, we're very excited about that. As far as how many companies, well, it just depends on what the companies look like that are coming in. There is no cap. There is no limit for us. Um, like I said, we've had some phenomenal ideas. Uh, that have really caught our attention, and we're still looking for more. So um, really to fund more women, more minorities is our goal, and whatever we can do to enhance that, to encourage that, and to grow that, we're all behind. So we're not quite sure what it looks like as far as the numbers of companies, but we certainly know we've got the dollars there to support them along with infrastructure. Well, I'm going to uh, uh, go to the Gripe Center and let them know about your fund. They have a program with all the graduates as well who can come back. They have a pitch competition that includes the MBAs and the undergrad business who who graduated and have their own companies. Uh, So there may be an opportunity. I'm also part of a group called Women Founders Network. We uh, do a pitch contest for women founders. And uh, some of them are fairly developed. Some of them are, are looking more for angel capital. Uh, do you have any kind of a group like that in Florida or something you've been part of, Heather, with the women looking for other women founders to give advice and mentorship? Um, I don't have a strong group in Florida. You know, as most of my career, I've been a road warrior. So I've got more connections in New York and coast to coast and in between. Um, but I do have a, a great circle, a private circle of people that are very well connected, and we all help one another out with mentorship and giving ideas. And certainly my platform now is building out um, connecting those mentors with the audience uh, out there and giving them some more one-on-one tools and advice. Well, that's great. Yeah, and using your podcast to do that, that's wonderful. I think uh, you know, I think these uh, women will appreciate it. They've, hand-holding, you know, being able to encourage, just as you do with your mountain climbing and the ladies you help with those, you know, it's a, it's important. I think it's also, uh, uh, when it's collaborative, uh, you could ask some of the tough questions about finances and remind them of certain things. You know, when uh, the Unbox people came to me and said they were making money, I said, that's wonderful. You've made a lot of progress, but are you paying yourselves? No, not really, mm-hmm. but we're making money. I said, well, you've got to pay yourself as part of making money. You might then be a break-even, but, uh, you know, don't be afraid to do that. This is uh, two or two and a half years into their program. So uh, I think, uh, you know, gentle reminders and guideposts, right, guide rails, and then, of course, introducing them to resources. You know, as we talked about at the beginning, finding smart people to handle the things they're not good at so that you amplify your, your capabilities, right? I um I do see that with younger companies. There's a, 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 a desire to do it all themselves. And uh, I 
kind of remember that myself, I have to say. <laughs> you know, do you see, you give them advice to hire people and bring other people in, as we talked about earlier, right? That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. It's important. Well, now you've got a remarkable career. Let me ask, well, what do you see as key to your success? Hmm. Number one, I would say I have got a relentless sense and of tenacity. So I'll say that again. Let me just say that uh, I have a relentless work ethic and tenacity is my best friend. But I will say that my secret weapon is I've got one of the greatest partners in my husband. He is a great mentor. He is a great visionary. And I've learned a lot from him. And then, of course, there's a lot of sweat equity that, that you put in. There is no shortcut. You've got to do the work. Those are good pieces of advice. You're right. And no shortcut. You know, I think the partner question is really uh, critical, especially when I teach at these classes or, or sit through these uh, pitches and they have an open session afterwards. As a woman, one of the first questions other people ask me is, how do you manage your relationship? These young people, you know, they want to be entrepreneurs, but in the case of the women, they very much want to have a family or a relationship. So finding the right partner is very important. Uh, and uh, Keith, your partner is an entrepreneur as well. Uh, may we ask, how did you two meet? Yeah. <laughs> um, we met totally by accident. And the short version is a very good friend of mine who knew both of us, uh, but separately, uh, had tried to set us up on a blind date five years prior. And um, needless to say, that never came about. So five years later, we literally met quite on accident, and uh, the rest is history. Yeah, well, it's a big history. I think that's wonderful to hear. Thank you so much for being on the show. That was Heather Stone, and she has a wonderful podcast called Mentors and Moguls. And she has, and Keith Stone have started a fund called Game Above Capital. You can go to GameAboveCapital.com to get more details on how your business might get funded as part of their $50 million private venture fund focused on minority and women-operated businesses engaging in sustainability-related products. A good tip for those of you out there looking for funding. Thank you for listening today to The Deciders with Renee Frazier. As you know, Frazier Communications is a full-service advertising and marketing communications firm. We're available to help you with your business. Feel free to contact us at FraserCommunications.com to learn more and listen to our podcast at FraserCommunications.com. Have a great week ahead, and thank you for listening to The Deciders. This is a message from Dr. Barbara Ferrer of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. When you're with others who are not from your household, wear a cloth face covering. Always make sure your hands are clean before and after you touch your face covering. And wear a clean cloth face covering every day. Learn more at publichealth.lacounty.gov. To learn more about how you can protect yourself from COVID-19, go to publichealth.lacounty.gov. Brought to you by the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. This show is pre-recorded and furnished by Frazier Productions. 